Just there, Doc. Thank you so much. That's in case I wobble. <laughs> Good morning, church. We are continuing with our theme of encounters with Jesus in John's Gospel. And this is one of my favorite stories. There's so much in it and so much to encourage us. I wonder, have any of you ever had a special event or happening which you didn't seek or expect, but which changed your life somewhat? I'm sure many of us have at some time or other. I know I have. I've had a couple of times which have turned out to be quite life-changing. This Samaritan woman was used to going to fetch the water at the well, but she was certain, certainly not expecting to meet the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, or to have her life changed by him on that day or at that time. Jesus and his disciples were traveling back from Judea in the south of Israel to Galilee in the north. He chose to go through Samaria instead of the route along the Jordan River. Why? We do not know. What we do know is that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get on. They were more or less enemies. Jesus and the disciples came near to the town of Sychar, where they stopped at Jacob's well. This is one of the authentic spots in the Holy Land and a popular place to rest and drink of the water from the well. Jesus rested there because he was weary from the long journey, some 80 miles or more, and of course for them, a journey on foot, which would have taken a very long time. The disciples went off into the town to buy food. Isn't it encouraging to hear that Jesus was weary this brings the human side of the Saviour closer to us, and we are reminded of his loving sympathy with those who are weary when he said, Come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus was there resting when the Samaritan woman arrived to draw water. She came to Jacob's well at the sixth hour, which in their timing was midday. It was hot, but she came alone so as not to meet with the other women, as she was an outcast on account of her adultery. The other woman, women would have come much earlier when it was cooler and would have come in groups. I had the joy and the privilege of going to Jacob's well way, way back in 1979 when on tour with a group. By then, there was a church built over the, over the well area, though it was never finished. So we had to go below to, to where the well was, and a Greek Orthodox priest was there to meet pilgrims and draw water for us to drink. It was cool and very refreshing. 
and we pondered on this story while we were there. When this woman arrived, Jesus spoke to her and said, Will you give me a drink? She was astonished as he was breaking social and religious taboos by speaking to her, a Samaritan woman, who was alone. Also, by asking her for a drink, he was prepared to share the vessel which she used, which was just not done. She knew the difficulties of such a situation, but there was obviously something in his gentle and gracious manner that drew her to continue the conversation. So she responded with a question. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? He was breaking the convention barrier and the hostility barrier in order to draw a response from her so that he could change her heart and win her to himself. And having gained her attention, Jesus continued by offering her living water, meaning the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, eternal life. It is interesting the way he offered this. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink and he would have given you living water. She misunderstands his meaning but her curiosity is aroused, so she continues to question him about how he would draw the water, the living water, where he would get it, and was he greater than their father Jacob who dug the well? Jesus continued, whoever drinks of this water, meaning the water in the well, will thirst again but whoever drinks the water that I would give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He is still talking of the gift of the Holy Spirit. The woman still misunderstands, but continues to respond, asking him for a drink of this living water so that she will stop getting thirsty and won't need to come to the well. Jesus does not give up, however. Sorry, she does not give up, however, when Jesus draw, tries to draw her out to confront her sin. He tells her to go and fetch her husband and come back. And that's when she confesses. She has no husband at last, the opening is there for him to transform her life. He tells her that she has had five husbands and the man she is now with is not her husband. She knows she's living in sin and we know the first work of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. The woman's confused now, but she probably knew 
that something was happening within her. She hurriedly changes the subject and talks of him being a prophet and then broaches the controversial subject of worship. She knows that the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem, whereas the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. Jesus explains that the traditional places to worship are for a time, but a time will come when true worshippers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Anywhere, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth. Still not fully understanding him, the woman expresses her hope in the long-awaited Messiah who will reveal the truth when he comes. And she must have known something of the Jewish history to know of the Messiah. And earlier she had claimed Jacob as an ancestor of Samaritans. But in one commentary, it's thought that the Samaritans were perhaps a mixture of Jew and Assyrian. So Jesus then declares that he who is speaking to her is the Messiah. Wow. What a statement. This woman has heard it from his lips. What a moment for her. She has been and is in conversation with God's true Messiah and he has been transforming her life. Life will never be the same for her again. She was probably the first woman to whom Jesus declared his divinity. The disciples return at that moment, wondering what is going on and why, why is Jesus talking to a woman? But they invite Jesus to eat of the food they brought. The woman, however, is too excited to listen to that, drops her water pot and hurries into the town to tell everyone of her meeting with the Jewish Messiah and how he told her everything she ever did and how he accepted her and changed her life. The gospel doesn't say that she repented of her sins and received forgiveness, but she must have, for her excitement and hurried departure into the town confirms it. Because going back into that town must have taken great courage on her part. She was an outcast from it and could have been stoned to death for her adultery. However, the Holy Spirit must have paved the way for her and enabled the townsfolk to listen to her. Some of them believed what she said. Many were impressed, but all wanted to see this man for themselves. She had said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They flocked out of the town and came to him, and many of the Samaritans believed in the women's woman's testimony, but when they came to him, they must have been hungry for his words, for they requested that he stay with them. Jesus stayed two days, obviously teaching them, and many more became believers, telling the woman later that they had believed what she said 
but having seen and heard him themselves, they declared him to be the saviour of the world. What an outcome! New believers among non-Jews. What an outcome! I do hope the townsfolk accepted her back into such, after such an outcome. But we're not told what happened to her after that. Of course, while this was happening and before the Samaritans came to him, Jesus didn't seem interested in the food the disciples brought, but told them that his food was to do the will of the one who sent him and to finish his work. His mission, of course, was to seek and save those who were lost. That's what he did for the Samaritan woman. And his mission in Samaria was about to continue, which it did when the townsfolk rushed out to meet him. And their visit to Jesus laid the groundwork for the hearty reception of the gospel by Samaritans a few years later when Philip, went and preached in Samaria. That's found in Acts chapter 8. Could this woman have been the first woman evangelist? I like to think so. So what can we learn from this story? Jesus can and still does transform lives. His mission and ministry is ongoing. And the angels in heaven sing and praise God every time a sinner repents and receives new life. And it can happen in the most unusual places and at the most unusual times. A personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus can happen to anyone, anyone, male or female, old or young, rich or poor, from any race or culture. Anyone can have their life changed or transformed by the Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. His gentleness, humility and divine love can soften and open hearts. The message of the kingdom is never by force, but rather by gentle invitation, as in, come and see, or come to me. Some people can be easily impressed by others' stories, but they are not always satisfied with second-hand revelation. So Jesus said to some elsewhere, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. These three words, ask, seek, and knock, are continuous verbs, which means ask and go on asking, seek and go on seeking, knock and go on knocking, perseverance and persistence. But how do we broach the subject with unbelievers? I find it extremely difficult. But before I finish, I want to look back again at one of the things Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. When he asked her for a drink, she was shocked at him speaking to her. 
And he said, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Thinking of our mission today and the many, many unbelievers there are in this nation, and I think especially of my unbelieving daughters and indeed the rest of my family, I keep thinking, if only they knew, if only they knew the gifts of God, if only they knew what Jesus could do for them, if only they knew how much God loves them and wants them in his kingdom, how much it means to know Jesus died for them and took away their sin. It grieves me very much. But because of their attitudes, it's not easy to say to them or any of my family, if only you knew. Jesus still longs for people to come to him. In Luke's gospel at the triumphal entry, Jesus wept over Jerusalem and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And at another time, he said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. You were not willing. But Jesus never gives up on people. Jesus is still saying what he said in Revelation chapter 3. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Amen. I'd like us to have a, a pause there to think of all the people that we know that do not believe in Jesus. Bring them to God and then I will pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you never give up on unbelieving people. We thank you that you still seek and save those who are lost. You still invite them to come and see and find salvation. We bring to you all those we know who don't believe in you 
and pray that you will meet with them and invite them to come and see and to find salvation in you and have their lives changed. We ask this in your holy and gracious name.